0: I was at home in Australia. My agent called, and I'd been sort of dancing around finding something to do in this space for many years, but hadn't found something that I was really, really obsessed with. I'm talking to the actor Eric Bana, who plays the title role in Dirty John.
1: It's late October, and he's in the last week of a four-month shoot.
0: And she called me and said, There's this project, just hear me out. <laughs> I think that was the first thing. Just hear me out on this one. Okay, there's a project, and it's based on a true crime podcast, and blah, blah. So I spent the next couple of days with you in my car listening to the podcast, which I was fascinated by and really enjoyed. We're in Banner's trailer at the Los Angeles
1: Equestrian Center in Burbank, and he's about to take a shuttle to the parking lot where they're going to film the scene of climactic violence in the eighth and final episode of the Bravo series. In a few days, he's flying home to Australia, where he lives a simple life as a family man and likes to tool around in vintage cars. But for four months, he's lived inside the skin of John Meehan, a Machiavellian grifter and seducer. I wanted to know what it was like to bring life to the role of a guy I'd spent so much time writing and thinking about. Now, Ben is not one of those actors who's in character every minute of the day. He didn't go around the set demanding people call him John and trying to swindle the grips and caterers. Everyone I talked to described him as a gentleman, and the American accent he uses for Meehan vanished between takes. The actress Connie Britton was already signed on to play Deborah Newell, and when he imagined her as Deborah and himself as John, he said he believed it. Another thing that drew him to the project was a sense that he could bring what he called nuance and complication to the role, rather than portray him as a one-dimensional
0: villain. And I was excited by the opportunity that we would finally get to know John, because Whilst he's very much alluded to in the podcast, he is the shark in Jaws, you know.
2: Your phone is a marvel of modern communication. You can talk, text, type, tap, watch, listen, stream and cast. If you want to communicate, the best tool ever invented for that purpose is in your hands right now. But communication, real communication with the world around you, requires understanding, listening, and being able to turn ideas into language. Thankfully, that phone in your hand can also be the best communications learning tool ever invented with Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is a language learning app It's true accent speech engine helps you tune your pronunciation. And with dynamic immersion, you won't be memorizing vocab, but learning new words and phrases based on real world context. And with Seek and Speak, turn your iPhone and the everyday world around you into conversation practice with scavenger hunt style challenges. Mac or PC, iPhone or Android, Rosetta Stone syncs across your devices for anytime, anywhere learning. Find your key to unlocking new languages. Get your free trial now at RosettaStone.com. Built for mobile. Built for real life.
1: From the L.A. Times and Wondery, I'm Chris Gofford and this is a special episode of Dirty John. On the morning I'm supposed to interview Eric Bana, who plays John Meehan in the new Bravo series, I try to distract myself with the newspaper crossword puzzle. It so happens that 65 across is a four-letter word with the clue, Bana of Hulk. This is a reference to Bana's role in Ang Lee's brooding and eccentric 2003 film about the Marvel character. Bana told me that people rarely ask him about that movie. If he's in an airport, for some reason people ask about Black Hawk Down. Women will often ask about the time traveler's wife. Sometimes it's Munich, in which he plays a Mossad agent. Banna's breakout role was in the Australian crime drama Chopper in 2000. He played Chopper Reed, a homicidal real-life gangster who manages to be funny and terrifying all at once. It was one of the roles on the mind of Alex Cunningham, the lead writer and executive producer of Dirty John, when she suggested Banna for the Meehan role.
0: I I think Chopper was far more methodical and and made a lot more sense to me than John. I think John's much scarier, much scarier. Uh, I think he's very erratic, and I think erratic is the scariest behavior in someone.
1: But we absolutely felt that if we had an opportunity to get Eric Bana, we wanted to go get him. This is Richard Suckle, who is an executive producer of the show. Suckle has produced films like American Hustle and Wonder Woman and the TV show 12 Monkeys, but this is his first foray into limited series television. He tells me about meeting Banna in March of this year. Suckle and showrunner Alex Cunningham went to have drinks with Banna, who is in town promoting a film. We went over to and had drinks with him at the Le Hermitage Hotel on Burton Way in Beverly Hills. Really, he was interested in knowing exactly the way in which Alex was going to tell the series. You know, was she going to tell it in a linear fashion from beginning, middle, and to end? How close was she going to stick to your podcast and the way you structure the podcast with the opening of the reveal that somebody's dead, but you don't know who's dead? Within days, Banna had committed, even before the pilot script had been written. I worried that whoever ended up playing John Meehan would insist on softening him and try to make him redeemable and what TV executives like to call relatable. I thought the chances of this happening increased with the size of the star. In the case of Banna, this worry proved to be unfounded. I asked Banna what he thought John Meehan told himself when he looked in the mirror, what explanation he gave himself for his behavior, which was at times not just monstrous but illogical and self-defeating.
0: Because I came to the conclusion that John didn't really know what he was doing. And once I came to that general conclusion, things became a lot easier because I think it's human nature for us to try and come up with these perfect answers that explain people, sane people are in therapy all their life and still can't work themselves out. So why the hell would I expect in the third person, fourth person, second person, to come up with a version of John Meehan that makes sense when he himself wouldn't have known what the hell he was doing or who he was or why he was that way.
1: This view of Meehan extended to the question of whether he loved Deborah Newell.
0: The one thing I felt, as odd as this sounds, is I really felt that John probably didn't really know himself. And once I sort of came to that thought, Made things easier because I think people can go through the motions in a relationship, especially you know sociopaths are uh, are very adept at adapting. As you know, you know behavior that is the behavior they think they should be adapting to get what they need or to appear normal to other people and so forth.
1: For years, Banna was best known in Australia as a comedian. Jeffrey Reiner, who directed all eight episodes of Dirty John, told Banna, "I want you to make me laugh every day on set."
0: We should feel in the first episode that any woman would be very happy to be in his company and that there's nothing really there to set off alarm bells and so forth. So it was about just making him first and foremost completely believable and real and and somewhat likable in the beginning as well. So I decided that it would be interesting to show a very juvenile side of John, because the way I interpreted a lot of the behavior was like, reminded me of a, kind of a teenage, like not even pre, a preteen child who wasn't in control of, of himself. And so decided to, to incorporate some of that in the, in the performance, which you know, you'll probably see in the later episodes.
1: John Meehan in real life liked to adopt a tone of almost theatrical menace when he wanted to frighten people. He told them to pray hard, to enjoy their time left on Earth, and so forth. It was as if he took a tough-guy Halloween mask off the shelf.
0: He wasn't a very good writer. <laughs> Some of his dialogue, I was, I was like, he was he's like... The worst bad guy ever. Like some of the stuff that would come out of his mouth I thought was, was. I, I'd try to lean into that. I was like, I, I like the fact that this guy kind of thinks he's a bad guy and got this kind of gangster edge. And he's just, he's like a bad caricature out of a good fellas movie. He's like the guy that's trying really hard that would have been kicked out, you know, in the first two hours out of the card room. And that's kind of fun in a way to, to not, you know, to not shy away from and to kind of embrace.
2: That last glass of wine wasn't a good idea. You told everyone to be careful, to be respectful, and for the most part, everyone was. It's just that you didn't really expect your own daughter, just five years old, to be the one. She spilled that wine all over your rug. Nothing's going to get that out. It's time for Ruggable. Ruggable rugs are machine washable. Throw it in the wash, throw it in the dryer, and then lay it back out like new. Even an 8x10 area rug fits in the standard washer-dryer. All ruggable rugs are resistant to spills and stains. Pour coffee, wine, juice, just about anything without any stress. And all rugs are non-toxic, making them completely safe for your kids and pets. Check out Ruggable's designer-created styles ranging from boho chic to traditional and modern, all made in the U.S. Go to MyRuggable.com slash DirtyJohn. That's MyRuggable, R-U-G-G-A-P-L-E dot com slash DirtyJohn. And get 15% off your order and free shipping will automatically be applied to your purchase. But you can only get that offer if you go to MyRuggable.com slash DirtyJohn. Ruggable. Washable. Livable. Lovable. True crime stories are powerful because they bring us to the darkest edge of humanity. But the mystery revealed is often not who done it, but why and how could it have happened? How could anyone think this way, feel this way? We'll never know the true inner workings of a criminal mind how their childhood might have shaped them, how strong their desires were, and how it all went so wrong. We can't be in their head. We might not want to be. But there's another side of humanity, the side that triumphs over adversity, that succeeds where we might think it impossible. There are people who become world famous, admired and extolled for their art, leadership and power of personality. It's those people we should really try to understand. And there's no better way than to walk their journey in their shoes. That's the premise for Wondery's new series, Imagined Life. We'll place you into the minds of legends as they experience the adversity, hope, trial and error that made them who they are today. You will be at the center of their most formative moments. You will suffer their hardships. You will relish their successes. But for as deep as this show takes you into the mind of someone else, you won't know exactly who you are. Only in the final moments of the show will your identity be revealed and you'll discover how deeply connected We all are. Subscribe to Imagine Life on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this today. A lot of
1: people who listen to Dirty John wrote me with the same question Why didn't Deborah just leave
0: John Meehan? You know, when people are judgmental about Deborah, where I feel really protective of her is in the sense that this is a, it's not a fair fight at all. It's not a, it's not a fair match. This is like a, an unseated tennis player coming up against the top 10 in a tournament. John was incredibly adept at what he did, and he was skilled and he was practised. You should be falling for John. I think it's easy for people to be judgmental because they like to think that they won't make the same mistakes, right? But I always come back to how many times have you in your life rehearsed something in your head about how you're going to deal with someone that you love or hate? Right, you go through that script. This is what I'm going to say tomorrow. This is what I'm going to say. I'm going to deal with this family member Sunday at lunchtime if they do that again. This is what I'm going to say. And then on the day, sitting across the table from that person, you're looking in their eyes and those words never come out. They never, ever come out because when you're in the presence of someone, it changes everything.
3: There are probably actors out there, and I think Eric would say this himself, who have to love the people they're playing. I don't think Eric got into acting for that.
1: This is Alex Cunningham, the showrunner.
3: Eric got into acting to play people who are not him and to inhabit them and walk them around and show people why they're interesting. And I think because of that, uh, he's not trying to make you love John and it actually makes John much more real. He is magnetic and charismatic in the way that I have to imagine that John Meehan was for a lot of people, in the way that... There, there are so many things on television shows and also in real life where you, I, I find myself going, you know, if someone had just asked one question, this wouldn't have happened. Why did they not ask that one question? And when you get around someone like Eric, uh, even in real life, you can see how someone would choose to not ask that question, that they don't, they don't want to break the, the spell or whatever.
1: I asked Banner whether he thought there were any parallels between John Meehan, con artist and chameleon, and the craft of an actor. I was semi-worried that he'd take offense. I was mistaken.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's not a whole lot of difference, in fact. For sure. You yeah, know, there's definite parallels. He's, like, like, as you say, he was constantly grabbing a different mask for every person. And I think that's what, that's what we do. I think, you know, we're kind of carcasses, looking for skin and a mask, you know, every time we go go to work, you know, just selfishly taking whatever bits and pieces we need from anyone that we love or hate or merciless. So, no, in many respects, we're, we're just a more respectable version of some of his behaviour.
1: Carcasses, huh?
0: Yeah, whatever is necessary. Skin, brain, heart. Yeah. Features, physical, anything.
1: (laughs) Later that day down the block, I watched the filming of the violent climactic parking lot confrontation between John Meehan and Tara Newell. Anna and Julia Garner, who plays Tara, stood nearby as stunt doubles dressed exactly like them ran through the carefully choreographed knife attack over and over. We all watched as Kippy the stunt dog, playing Cash the miniature Australian Shepherd, the stuntman's pant leg to shreds. When the stunt doubles were done, Banna and Garner came on to do it themselves. It was disturbing to watch. Garner looking small and overmatched, Banna looking huge, his face contorted with rage. Banna told me he sometimes feels affectionate toward characters he plays, but in this case it's more complicated, and he's looking forward to forgetting how to think like John Meehan.
0: I think with this character, what's been different is I, I, just, I <laughs> it's just terrible. Uh, It does make me feel dirty. You know, it does. I I do go home at night and and feel a little like I don't want to make eye contact with a lot of women. You're opening neural pathways when you're playing these characters that make lying and deceiving and pretending on a different level to how you normally would as a person. And after a while, it starts to become easier to tap into. You sort of shorten the gaps between the two. Um, and it sort of makes you aware of how much people could be lying in real life. You know, I, am constantly allowing myself to think about what people could do or say once they leave a room or once they, like I, I, like playing spot the John and Deborah in a restaurant, you know, I'm always trying to spot the John in the room now all the time and then trying to come up with a narrative, you know, of what how that person is misrepresenting their life. And it's not, I mean, it's not a healthy way to think, but it's just, that's just, your brain is just trained to just do that now after a period of time of inhabiting this character. So I guess that's what I'm referring to in terms of when when you finish, you hope that, you know, all that stuff, those neural pathways get cut off. As a friend of mine said, he says, you bastard. he says, you're going to make things so much harder for so many men. He says, and the worst thing is, you'll make it hardest for the ones that are the nicest. <laughs>
1: Dirty John premieres on Bravo at 10 p.m. on Sunday, November 25th. And here's a reminder that before it was a TV show, it was a work of journalism. You can find the original L.A. Times series, plus 14 other pieces of narrative journalism, in my new collection. It's called Dirty John and Other True Stories of Outlaws and Outsiders by Christopher Gofford, published by Simon & Schuster.